This is the Click Home Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We welcome you. Today is Sunday, August 21st, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon continues in his study of healthy habits with Healthy Habits Stewardship, Taking Care of Time. And now we're going to send it to Pastor Scott. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody's going, what was that? The wine is from 1990. I love those guys. I was introduced to them by a friend of mine that I served on the, uh, wow, this will be a throwback. Uh, the collegiate dorm staff was called Brotherhood Dorm back in that day at Oklahoma Baptist University. Uh, and uh, introduced to that group, have loved them ever since. That's an entire family that is so ridiculously talented. Uh, and musically so. But hopefully you caught the main gist of this song. It's time. And it's time to make a change. Uh, uh, of the areas of stewardship that, that we talk about, I, I think the primary two that bring us the most stress or the, the most challenging for us are finances and time. And I don't just think that and came up with that off the top of my head, but the author uh, of the book that uh, I am using as my foundation for the habits that we have been studying so far this year really kind of made that point for us. We start talking about stewardship. There's a responsibility. There's an accountability. If we are a steward, we are not the owner. We are therefore accountable to the owner who we have talked about is God. And so as we steward these things, the areas in our lives that we often find the most stressful are dealing with our finances and dealing with the time. I don't have enough time. I mean, how many of us have ever said that? I don't have time to get this done. I need more hours in the day. It would be wonderful to have 25 hours, eight days a week. You know, I mean, just that kind of feel. And and that may not be enough. But in the scripture, we find right here in Ephesians chapter 5, some overall encouragement as we consider how do we rightly steward this aspect of our time, of our lives, each and every day. And it says in the first part of verse 16 that we are to be making the most of the time. Making the most of the time. Well, what are we talking about? That idea, you will see it in, in others' uh, translations. I, I like the CSV. You guys know that. We've been in this uh, translation for a number of years now, utilizing this. Uh, I grew up with hearing the first part of verse 16 is to redeem the time. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we save the time. We hear redemption, we think redeemed, oh, I love to proclaim it, you know. And all of this, that wonderful song, in, in that uh, very short rendition you got just then, um, is to make the most of. It is to make good use of. If we are going to redeem the time, we need to make sure that we are rightly prioritizing and focusing on the time. And that word, therefore, that time is not chronos that we would normally think of, that idea of chronologically, and that when we think of keeping track of time, that's what we think. In fact, I mean, watches are often called a chronograph. 
You know, and so we think of that, and I know it's an old school term, but the word that is used here in Ephesians chapter 5 is kairos. And so if we're to make the most of the time, we're to make the most of the other uses for the, is the day. Like, that happened in the day. You know, or back in the day, we used to kind of things. That, that's the idea. It's the, the time. It is a season. It is an opportunity. And so each and every season of our lives, we are called to make the most of it. And the most of it for whom or according to whom? We are the stewards. He is the owner. Our Lord is the owner. So making the most according to what our Lord has said. And so as we did last time and we talked about being able to rightly steward our treasures... This week, I want us to look at a few aspects from the scripture to help us understand how we can rightly steward our time and our lives, because that's what we are talking about. Now, as we get into next week, you're going to say, hey, you, th you said stewardship was more than these two things. Yes, it is. So next week, we're going to kind of talk about those things that don't fit neatly into a category, but are some important aspects of our stewardship that I want us to think through and to look biblically at as well. We're going to look at time as an aspect of our lives. So it's going to kind of overlap. It's not, I'm not going to here today give you a, here's how you ought to map out your day. I remember back in the college times, especially when I was on the staff in the dorm, we had to post as uh, the resident assistants, the RAs on the floor, we had to post in our door our schedule so that the other students, the guys that were on our hall, would know where we would be in case they needed something. And as a, you know, kind of a detailed nerd, that was sort of fun, but it's also frustrating because you go, if I'm locked into this, there's no freedom to go, well, I'm not going to be here to step. But you had to have floor hours, and that was fine, and that's all of it. But then the rest of it is I'm in class at this time. Uh, I plan to be studying, <laughs> yeah, studying uh, at this time, uh, and, and other things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not here going to say, hey, you need to take and map out all that. If that helps you, fine. I'm not telling you don't do it, but I'm not going to give you the, you know, the worksheet to do that this week. But we need to think wisely about our time. How do we prioritize our time? How do we look at it as a, not only a gift from God, but an opportunity to glorify God? So let's look at these aspects that to rightly steward our lives, we must, first of all, recognize that the days are evil. That the days are evil. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Why are we to be making the most of the time? One aspect is because the days are evil. That's the last part of verse 16. I want us to back up also to that first, because the, the start of this thought in Paul's mind is he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Christians, namely the ones in Ephesus. He says this, pay careful attention then to how you live. How you live, making the most of the time. He makes that direct correlation for us right here in these verses. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise and so there is a paying careful, there's a deliberateness. We cannot just haphazardly kind of, you know, on, on the whim, make the most use of our time without paying careful attention. 
without being intentional. So we do need to look. We need to sit down. Where are we spending our time? And I'm not saying that you've got to publish your schedule for everybody to see. But when you start analyzing stuff, you know, the, the, the old questions come back and, and the, the guilt trips come in. And it does for me. And so I want you to join me in my guilt trip for a minute. When you think about how much time do I spend watching TV versus maybe memorizing or reading scripture? Ouch. I mean, let's all be honest. I'm at the front of that line going, need to adjust that priority on a regular basis. These aspects of thinking about the, the fact of the times in which we live. In fact, our youth, as we were at, at camp this summer just a few weeks ago, almost said last week again. It's like all these times run together now. But we talked about these evil days, if you will, these challenging days. Uh, Paul saw it in his day and time, and guess what? It hadn't really changed much. We just have the opportunity, the, the misfortune maybe at times, to know how much more is going on in our world than Paul did in his segment of the world in which he lived. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, we, we could think back even 50 to 100 years ago and, and look at stuff and going, man, information was slow. Let's think back to Paul's day. I mean, if it didn't come written down or by somebody who traveled and been there, you didn't turn on the TV and find out what was going on around the world. You didn't have CNN and Fox News, these, these uh, news organizations keeping us track. You didn't have the interwebs going on and helping us with these things. But listen to this charge that was given to us at camp just a few weeks ago and that we brought back and we mentioned you. I just want to remind us of how real and significant the scripture is. How timely and timeless the application is. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4 beginning, well, verses 1 through 5. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, Exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I'm not going to preach every one of about the five or six sermons that are right there in that passage. But it speaks volumes to us about Paul being aware. And more importantly, God sharing with us as with Timothy, a time will come, and if we look around, we can see aspects of that time being here. People will not endure sound teaching. They will not endure the truth. But instead of wanting to have the truth, they will exchange the truth for a lie. Why? Because they want to be comforted in what they want rather than being accountable to the owner of creation. Our Lord, the creator of all. And, and, and let's say, we say they. What about us? 
What about us at points in, in our growth and in our spiritual life? Yes, we can look around and see the world is just being turned upside down and not in a good way as the, the apostles did in Jerusalem. Turn the world upside down for the sake of getting everybody to see Jesus. Our world's being turned upside down so that nothing is understandable anymore. Everything's being redefined. Everything is being made comfortable, being made just to where everybody can say, hey, it's whatever I feel, and if it feels good, do it. And if I'm happy, you all can't tell me what to do, or nobody can tell me, and all of this. And we just see a difficult time in which we live. And we need to make the most of it by standing true to God's word. We need to make the most of it by letting our light shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and do what? Glorify our Father in heaven. We find ourselves with an opportunity. And I would encourage us, as much as it is a huge challenge for us, to look at the time in which we live as an opportunity rather than as a hindrance. Because we seem to think, especially as our, our society becomes more and more postmodern, becomes more and more post-Christian, our, our, our circumstances, our community, even in our immediate context, our state, our nation, our world, becomes more and more secularized. The biblical truth and morality is more and more marginalized. And we are going, man, we need to get this country back on track again. We need to get this right. Forget that. What we need to do is to live rightly and impact people where we live. I think too often we in our country have become more concerned with the state of the nation than the state of the church within the nation. And we need to readjust our focus because if we care about our neighbor, what they need more than a political solution is a permanent solution and that's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, I'm not just saying that for all that we see out there, we just preach the gospel and forget it. Let the chips fall where they may. I believe the Bible speaks to justice issues. I believe the Bible speaks to moral issues. And we ought to advocate in the public square for what is true and what is right. But if we are more concerned with the essence and the shape and the stability of a temporal kingdom than we are with the eternal kingdom, we are out of focus. We are out of priority. We are out of balance. We need to prioritize the good news of the gospel. Make the most of the time. Next, we need to also see that if we're going to rightly steward our lives, we need to understand that time is short and is passing. Time is short. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says it like this. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. There's your encouraging thought for the day. How insignificant are we? In the grand scheme of things, we are small compared to the timelessness of our God, the greatness of our God. But think about this. God created us for a relationship with him and he loved us so much that when Adam and Eve rebelled against him in the garden, sinned to absolutely and completely reject the instruction and the command of God, 
and plunged all of us into sinful separation, eternal separation from the Father who created us. What did he do? He sent his one and only Son. His name is Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, what? But have, we want to talk about life, talk about life everlasting. So this time here is short. It is passing. We can't go back and, and get five minutes ago and redo it again. It's gone. We are to steward the moment in which we're in. We are to plan for the future. And we are to follow and trust God along the way. Why? Because look at the beautiful picture of who our God is in Matthew 6. Verses 26 to 30. It seems in stewardship I can't get away from Matthew 6. Maybe there's something to that. Beginning in verse 26, we read this. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you, can listen to this, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And I'm going to stop there for a minute. There's more in the text. How many of us love to spend time worrying? Now, we won't say it that way. But how many of us spend a lot of time worrying? Listen to this. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he, do no, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? I resemble that last statement so often, little faith. I, I, I spend time wasting my life with worry rather than faithful trust, being ready to step out as God leads instead of going, hey, God, have you thought about as if he needs my advice to say, oh, God, you, uh, uh, maybe you've, you didn't see this over here in those ways. And so, so we find ourselves needing to understand the time is short. You are a vapor. You are like the, the, the grass of the field is here today. It's gone tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you? How, how can we add to this time that is passing by our worrying? We cannot. And so we rob ourselves of the blessing and the opportunity to see God at work because we are focused elsewhere than where God wants us to be. We need to make the most of the time. Why? The days are evil and time is short and it just continues to march on day after day after day after day after day. Next, to rightly steward our time, we must live as those who are accountable to God for our time. We've kind of already been saying this, but it, the scripture ramps it up. Maybe more than it is comfortable for us to really sit down and look at. And it's hard to even preach because you go, how can somebody who is guilty of falling so short of this say to 
a family of faith. Hey, we need to do this or you need to do this. And that's why it's not you, it's we. Because we all face the challenges of getting out of sync with the priority of our lives and understanding who is in control. Romans 14 verse 12 says it like this. It's really kind of plain. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, now that's, you know, it's like God is watching you. And at times, whenever I'm hurting or I feel like I'm lost, the fact that God is watching is a comfort. However, there are those times when I'd rather not have God see me. Why? Because I'm not making the best use of my time. I'm not rightly following faithfully what Christ has called us to do and to be. But think about that. Each of us will give an account of... There's a few verses before this in Romans 14, 7 and 9. It reads like this. For none of us lives for himself. And no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. That's us. That's those who have gone before. He is the Lord of all. We are accountable to him whether we live or die, whether we, we do one thing or another, we are doing that for the Lord. Paul puts it elsewhere this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Beginning in verse 10, it says this, According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has <coughs> excuse me, that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Each of us is accountable to God. It's true, it's real, and, and it's this aspect that is often challenging to preach, this, this idea because of the way that some have preached it in the past and want to use it maybe to manipulate or, or to guilt trip somebody or somebody's a group, a, a church family, a Sunday school, whatever the case may be, uh, brothers and sisters, and kind of say this, but we can't because of what's been done in an incorrect, unbiblical way, get away from this fact. We are accountable to God. When we do wrong, we have sinned. We must repent. 
When we do right, we find ourselves growing in righteousness. We see the blessing that comes alongside that. We find ourselves growing in faithfulness and going further down the road. God is calling us in following after him. And so we must live our lives every day understanding we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And that's hard, especially in what we would call Western culture where it's all up to me. And once it's all up to me, then I get all the credit. Or I have to shift the blame because I don't want it. But we find ourselves needing to remember. If God has created us, he's called us. He has set down the standards by which we live. Not just to keep us in check, but to show us how to live fully. To enjoy life to the fullest. He says this, John chapter 10. What? I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. We are most fully alive when we are following what God has said in his word. There's no other way about it. We are accountable to God. It is for our good. Don't we say that to our kids? Hey, the, the reason that we have these boundaries, the reason these rules exist, the reason that we want you to do this and not that, is for your good. Why? Often it is because we have learned the negative consequences. And we're trying to teach our children, hey, don't go down a road that I went down. Save yourself the headache, the heartache of doing that. God doesn't have to say I've experienced that. He says I've created it. I know what's evil. I know what's sin. And I know what's righteousness. I know what will be a blessing to you. Please don't go here. Follow this. And we find ourselves so often going, but why? And God says, trust me. Trust me. Then we need to see next. To rightly steward our time, we must remember that time is too easily lost and cannot be regained. This sounds a lot like the previous idea that Time is short and it is passing. It is. It's moving along. And it's moving along faster than we think. I'm 50-something years old. Uh, that's kind of a weird deal. You know, I used to be the young guy. I've said this before. I used to be the young guy on the church staff. That doesn't happen anymore. In that. So we find ourselves needing to look and turn around and, and recognize how quickly time passes and how easily we can lose it and, and just the fact that it cannot be regained. The scripture, especially the Proverbs, are, are very challenging to us in this. Nobody wants to go and read these things. And when you go and point them out, you go, oh, this is painful. Like, oh, let me just pick one. Proverbs 6. 9 through 11, you may have heard this before. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? <sighs> Other translations read sluggard. That's not any better. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Uh, thank you for that. Those aspects of life are the challenging. It's like, I'd rather not. But we must, and we can. That's the other aspect. We'll get to that in just a moment also. But Proverbs, just to kind of, you know, continue to throw and, and, and heap challenge upon challenge. Proverbs 26, verse 14. A door turns on its hinges and a slacker on his bed. I mean, you ever seen a door? It moves a lot back and forth like this. What does it do? It doesn't go anywhere. Just like that. You ever been in bed and you roll from one side to the other and stuff like that? Why? I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. There are challenges and we face struggles and we understandably so because we don't completely know the end from the beginning and all of the aspect of trust and faith are oftentimes difficult for us. But when we find ourselves confronted with Scripture by the truth that is given here, we must just adjust our life to what God has said and not our own convenience or our own preference. I like Matthew 26. I'm going to finish up that chapter with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about, what, about your life. I mean, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Don't worry about your life. How? Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't? Life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now you say, I don't get it here. I mean, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. And we are a fallen creation. We need clothing. Yes. But those areas of provision God has said he has set aside. And we focus here to missing the big picture here. We miss those aspects that even when we are facing health challenges and are down, we might be in the hospital, we might be at home sick, it may be COVID, it may be allergies, it may be any number of those things. But we're still alive and God still says, I have a plan for you this day, where you are. You mean feeling rotten and not like doing anything? Yes, I have a plan for you this day. And working through the hardship gets us to the next point. How many of us ever think about when we come through that illness, we come through that surgery, how much better it is to be on the other side of it? Now, we eventually will say that if I go in and my knee's been bothering me and you have surgery to have that replaced, you have it fixed, whatever it is, and within a month the rehab has worked and you can feel like, I'd never felt like running a marathon before, but you feel like running a marathon after that or something like that, and you go, wow, this is great. Do we stop to think about, God, thank you that you were not only here when I feel great, but you never left me as I was going into the operating room, as I was going through the challenge, because 
My life is more than these things. You've got a plan that is eternal for me, for all of us, in following after him. Now, there's much more that can be said about stewardship of time. I'm leaving out your favorite, hey, why didn't you point the finger at this? And I've got no good reason for that, except for this is what I felt led to share. But I have a couple of thoughts. Because when we face these challenges, we go, hey, what is the, does it, it raises a question. First one, does wise use of our time negate recreation and rest? I mean, it sounds like, man, if we're going to be making the most of the time because our days are evil and because time is, is short and is passing and, and it can be easily lost and it'll never be regained and, and we are accountable to God for all that, does that mean that I should just give up all the recreation? I should never take a break. And the answer is no. A wise use of time, a disciplined use of our life includes taking the break. We cannot, in and of our own strength, accomplish all that God wants to by just pushing through it all and just running ourselves in the ground. Jesus, even in his earthly life and ministry, took time to get away separately with God the Father. Times of rest and refreshment, uh, of praying and just being alone and being renewed as he was fully man, as he was also fully God. You see, when God created all, he gave us an example on resting on the seventh day. We call it the Sabbath. We need Sabbath each and every week, not just every once in a while. You do notice that that's weekly, not just every three months, every five years, every decade. So we need to understand the limits that we have and work within that to continue faithfulness. You and I cannot do the same level of energy and enthusiasm in our 50s as we could when we were 10. I think we all know that. But just because we can't do that doesn't mean we do nothing with our life for the glory of God. That we just check out, clock out, set aside. Because the next significant challenge is we are, we are told not to waste our life. Don't waste your life. I'm stealing that as a title from one of my favorite preachers, John Piper, wrote the book, Don't Waste Your Life. The meaning of our life in the opening chapter of that book is not to work to get to retirement so that we can spend our time picking up seashells on the seashore and call that living for the glory of God. Now, do we need to be on the sea and collecting the seashells every now and then? I love it. Love the ocean. The relaxing. But the challenge is, do I look at my life, my family, my job, my community, even my retirement as a way to honor and glorify God with my life. I should. You see, there's a, a challenge that we face. To summarize a story that we find in, in Luke chapter 16, there's a rich man and there's Lazarus. 
both die. The picture of heaven is of Abraham's bosom. That's the analogy that is given there. And, and Lazarus is in the presence of God in heaven. The rich man is in hell, separated from God. Not having made wise use of time in their lives, there's this discussion on how can we impact, especially from the rich man's perspective, the family that he left behind after he passed away. And the only answer that is there is a resurrected Savior. And even at that, it is a challenge to the thinking of this life that I need a Savior. Because that passage says, even if someone were to rise from the dead, they would not listen to him. You say, well, that's a discouraging note to end a message on. But the question is legitimate. Are we ready for eternity now? Personally, are you ready for eternity now? Not just going to church, not just hanging out with friends that, that enjoy church and the Bible and discussing those aspects of righteousness and that and maybe having grown up in it like I did and all that. But are you ready with a relationship with Jesus for eternity? If that were to be your call today, would you be ready? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you placed your faith in him to follow him. If that's the case, then you go, I'm ready. Next. Are you helping others to do the same? Are you encouraging others the same way? And that's across the board. There'll be others in your life within our church family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ looking forward to the day that Jesus returns. What are we doing to keep ourselves ready, to keep ourselves focused, to keep ourselves with the goal in mind and living in this life to encourage each other as we live day by day? And then also, those within our lives, within our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our communities, that we find ourselves sharing with them who may have heard about but have never really thought much more about what it means to be a sinner, what it means to have Jesus to be the only one who can save us. What is repentance, trusting Jesus and following him? Are we ready to be able to prioritize that aspect of our time? Because as the, the song I began with today from the wine and said, while it's time to make a change and we are the people who can do it, the question was asked, what is this world coming to? Seems like everyone is running from the truth. We've got to stand up and fight and walk into the light. We're the people who can do it if we try. Are we? Will we? Will we continue to do that day by day by day? Please visit us online at www.claybap.org.